You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 30th of March 2021. I'm John Herfinan from our AIB's Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, to discuss the recent developments on the financial markets. Good morning, Ollie. Um, starting with a look at the US dollar, the greenback has gone sub-118, having been as high as 122.90s in early January. That's kind of 2% down via the euro, 1% down versus sterling. Um, this level of appreciation in the currency probably was predicted by very few at the start of the year. Can you explain to our listeners what's driving this? Yeah, well, let's jump back a bit. First of all, the, the dollar lost a lot of ground the second half of last year. And what was behind that was, you know, what has supported the dollar in recent years has been the relatively high U.S. interest rates relative to elsewhere and reflecting strong growth in the U.S. economy in particular. But last year, obviously, the U.S. cut interest rates as elsewhere. So much of that interest rate advantage was eroded and the dollar lost a lot of its shine. So the dollar lost a considerable amount of ground. I think it could have depreciated by 10, 12 percent on a trade rate basis in the second half of last year. And at the beginning of the year, the expectation was that rates would remain low everywhere over the next three or four years. We wouldn't get much in terms of rate increases. But what we've seen in the first quarter of the year has been, one, stronger than expected growth in the U.S. Secondly, we have the Biden fiscal package, which is enormous and that I've mentioned before. I mean, that is nearly 10% of GDP. And thirdly, in the U.S., you know, rapid progress in terms of rolling out the vaccines. So all the major international organizations are upping their forecasts considerably for the U.S. economy in terms of its growth performance in 2021 and 2022. And we've also seen quite a hardening of interest rate expectations in the U.S. And what I mean by that is markets bringing forward the date when the U.S. will start to hike rates, but also the scale of those rate increases. So if you go back to the start of the year, there wasn't any expectation we'd be raising U.S. rates in the next couple of years. And then when the start for increased rates, the expectation was that might go to about 1% by 2025 and 2026. Now, the expectation is that U.S. rates will start to rise in the second half of next year. And then, you know, climb at a fairly steady pace after that and get to above 2% uh, by 2025, 2026. Those higher rate expectations haven't really crept in elsewhere, particularly in the Eurozone and Japan, where rates are expected to remain negative. Okay, some modest rate increases uh, predicted for the UK, but nothing on the scale of the US. So what we've seen is a re-emergence of, of the interest rate advantage uh, that the US enjoyed in recent years, and particularly so in long-term interest rates, like 10-year bond yields in the States fell to a half percent last year. I mean, in the last week, they got above 1.7, towards 1.75%. Again, the increase in yields elsewhere has been nothing like that. So... You're right, at the start of the year, ourselves included, thought the dollar might lose more ground. But, I mean, forecasters have to have had to reevaluate their projections. We've seen the dollar gain ground on all fronts um, in the um, opening months of the year. And for the euro, it's come from 123 down to below 118. Given that interest rate outlook, it's hard to see the euro getting back above 120 uh, anytime soon. And, Ali, just to touch base on 
that dynamic, the fiscal stimulus package being so large, I would have said at the start of the year, towards the end of last year, people were kind of looking at that as possibly something that would drive a weakening in the currency. But it's that shift in interest rates really has kind of changed the lens through which that story is seeing and it's money being pumped into what is an expanding economy. That's the key to the dollar strength so far this year, is it? It is, and, and there wasn't an expectation that Biden would get the full stimulus package through. But remember, the Democrats won those two Senate seats in Georgia. They were absolutely crucial to being able to pass the fiscal stimulus package in full. Republicans were quite happy to support uh, a moderate fiscal stimulus package, but not on this scale. Uh, and recall also that the U.S. is rolling out vaccines much more quickly than anticipated. And the data in the U.S., even the first quarter, have come in stronger than anticipated. So the U.S. economy looks primed for a strong recovery here. And added fuel will now be added by this fiscal stimulus package that was passed this month. So it has changed the interest rate outlook. I mean, I know the Fed is trying to reassure the markets, saying we'll keep interest rates low. They indicated last week we won't be hiking rates until 2024 at the earliest. The markets simply don't believe them. So those higher interest rates are driving the dollar higher. Great. And to contrast that, uh, what's going on in America with the economic recovery in Europe, firstly in the Eurozone. Um, the Eurozone is definitely can be seen to be lagging behind. I suppose it's largely been driven by the vac- vaccination. Is there any kind of other broad-based trends in Europe that are kind of concerning at the moment around its performance, or do you think it's all vaccine-led? Well, you mentioned the economic recovery in Europe. It's the absence of one in the Eurozone. You know? And secondly, the absence of vaccines. I mean, the, the, the scale of the of the rollout of vaccines in, in the Eurozone and in the EU you know, has been far slower than the US and the UK. And we are now seeing, actually, vaccinations because they have implications for economic growth, they have implications for interest rates, and they're becoming key drivers of, of currency markets. So um, because there are a few expectations in regard to how economies will progress in terms of the recovery and how central banks will respond. So there's no expectation we'll see interest rate increases in the Eurozone anytime soon. Uh, contrast the opening up of the US economy with what we've seen in, in mainland Europe, you know, restrictions being reimposed in France and Germany and Italy, they're the main economies um, and likely to remain there for some time. Rising number of COVID case numbers, pressures I see here in the news this morning on the on the French hospital system. That is a marked contrast to what we're seeing in the US and indeed the UK. And that's been reflected in the performance of the euro. So I think for the euro to stabilize, what's required here is that the EU is able to deliver on the marked ramp up of vaccinations that is promising for the second quarter. And that by mid-year, we'll see a large portion of the European population vaccinated. If that doesn't happen, we're, we're back into lockdowns, impacts, negative impacts on growth, etc. And that, as I said, that is spilling over in terms of the impact in currency markets. And it, to speak to that, Ollie, I suppose you can see it well um, kind of advertised in what's happened between Euro Sterling this year. Where do you think Sterling is going to go to? Well, yesterday Sterling had a good day. And uh, I think one of the reasons behind that is the UK began to open up its economy. Uh, over the previous week, we saw restrictions imposed across a broad range of, of, of EU economies. So, um, you know, again, the vaccination program is well advanced in the UK. We are seeing some pick up in the data. And the UK is beginning to reopen its economy, has a plan to do so over the, over the second quarter. And that will boost growth in the, in the UK relative to the EU. So as, as you said, we've seen now recovery in sterling in the opening quarter uh, a recovery was expected given that the EU and the UK reached agreement on a, on a trade deal. So that took a big risk off the table for Sterling in terms of a hard Brexit. But that's been added to 
by the success the UK has had in terms of the vaccination program, bringing down COVID numbers and beginning to reopen its economy. And you know, we saw the last Bank of England meeting, uh, a very bullish forecast for the UK economy. Growth could be 4 4.5% this year, but could top 7% next year. I mean, that's well ahead of the Eurozone. Mm-hmm. So again, I mean, that's impacting what markets think about currencies. So, you know, sterling is, sorry, the euro is back towards 85p. Um, if we look at the post-referendum lows, I'm talking going back to 2016 when sterling collapsed, um, uh, you know, uh, the euro rose all the way up into the you know well above 90 but over that period the low was around 83 84p so we could see that tested um now sterling may not go below that uh, but i think again that crucially depends on the eu upping its game in terms of the vaccination program and delivery delivering on that marked pickup in vaccinations that they're promising for the second quarter and ali looking through the performance of sterling at the moment you know, you're, you're reading a lot of stories and we're hearing a lot of anecdotal stories from our customers about the problems with their trade, as in their exports are way off in terms of numbers. You're seeing a, a bit of an explosion in debt in the UK. If you're looking at those numbers over the last month or so, um, it's getting to very high levels. And then you've got possibly a large unemployment story of pent-up furloughed um, employees who have yet to come off that furlough schemes. Is there something towards the end of the year that you might see Sterling itself actually being impacted by those factors? Or do you think it's possible for them to trade through those concerns and maintain their current strength? Yeah, well, the impacts of Brexit as it occurred are now more long-term in terms of the impact on investment and on exports in the in the UK. and may take a number of years before they become really apparent. Um, whereas in the short term, you know, the key driver of the economy is opening up um, as vaccines are distributed. And we will see a very strong rebound in the economy in the second half. Well, certainly the second quarter through the second half of this year into 2022. And that just completely overrides and trumps any Brexit impact. So for, so for the markets, for the currency markets, Brexit has receded back into the background. You know, there's no doubt about that. Now, in a couple of years' time, we may see uh, the UK underperforming, uh, even relative to the European economy, because of the long-term impacts on investment and trade, because it's outside the single currency, outside the customs union, etc. But they're long-term impacts, and they take a while to become apparent. Right now, I have no doubt about it. You know, the, the COVID-19 the vaccination program, the fiscal supports. I mean, the UK has done a lot in terms of providing fiscal supports for its economy to lay the foundations for a recovery. So I think that's what's driving the currency markets. And you mentioned unemployment there. Um, you know, Forecasts for UK unemployment have been revised downwards this year. And one of the main reasons for that is that the economy starts to reopen now and reopen over the next number of months. But in terms of the supports to the labour market for businesses, for households, they have been extended until the end of September, well after the economy has reopened. So they remain in place. So the expectation is with those supports in place for households and for businesses that we won't see, we will see some rise in employment when the supports are withdrawn, but nothing like as great as feared, let's say, three months ago, given that the supports now remain in place until well after the economy has reopened. And by the time the supports are withdrawn, which is now into quarter four, they'll be there till the end of September. The expectation is that the recovery will be well underway in the UK at that stage and the damage to the labour market will be curtailed. Just looking to the week ahead, Ollie, 
Is there any key data releases people should be aware of or looking out for non farms probably? Yeah, well, that obviously it's Easter week, so certainly in Europe it's a shortened uh, trading week. I, I'd point to two things. One is we see inflation data out of the eurozone, and there's a lot of focus on inflation at the present time, and we may see upper pressure on uh, CPI rates because VAT cuts are ending impacts of sales are being distorted this year but also rising energy costs because oil prices have picked up over the last three or four months so the expectations cpi rates will rise in the eurozone that might give a bit of a put a bit of a floor under the euro but the main data release will be on good friday which is the u.s non-farm payrolls or employment report and this is the first major release we're going to see post the um i suppose post the biden fiscal stimulus and it may be even starting to impact on that. Certainly the forecast is for very strong payroll figures, a big increase in employment, maybe of the order of a half a million or more. Now, having said that, just bear in mind that, you know, as, as, as we stand here currently, that the, the, the level of employment in the US is about nine and a half million below where it was before the pandemic struck. So there's a long way for the US to go in terms of uh, recovering all those lost jobs. But the expectation is that with that fiscal stimulus beginning to take effect, we will see a run of strong US data, including the labor market. And that will certainly underpin the dollar and may see it even go higher, particularly if Europe remains in lockdown. Ollie, many thanks for the update. And a big thank you to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to the AIB Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find AIB's support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Stay safe, stay well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.